Welcome to the Trinity Reformed Church Podcast. To find out more, check out our website at trinityreformedkirk.com. That's trinityreformedkirk.com. Five questions about assurance. Evangelicals exhibit a mysterious suspicion of the assurance of salvation. And so it is that lots of Christians struggle with a lack of assurance. They have anxiety about the final state of their soul. They ask, is God pleased with me? Am I good enough? Where do I stand? Have I done enough? Am I on the right path? Am I going to be condemned to hell? This anxiety unsettles their relationship with the Lord. Jude 22 says, Have mercy on those who doubt. In the Christian life, doubt does occur, and the approach to dealing with it is mercy rather than austerity. Just like it is the duty of Christian charity to give a drink of water to a sufferer, Christians should offer cups of cool mercy for every doubter anxious for their soul. The Puritans defined assurance as a God-given conviction of one standing in grace, stamped on the mind and heart by the Spirit in just the same way as the truth of the gospel facts was stamped on the mind when faith was born, and carrying with it the same immediate certainty. Calvin called assurance full and fixed certainty. Assurance is a fruit of faith. In its most mature form, faith grows into assurance. So consider five questions about the doctrine of assurance. Number one, what does the New Testament say about assurance of salvation? Well, the Greek word for assurance is pleroforia. It means to have complete certainty. This word occurs four times in the New Testament, Colossians 2.2, 1 Thessalonians 1.5, Hebrews 6.11, and Hebrews 10.22. The New Testament uses another Greek word that is translated usually as confidence or assurance. It's the word hypostasis. This word occurs five times in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians 9.4, 2 Corinthians 11.17, Hebrews 1.3, Hebrews 3.14, and Hebrews 11.1. Speaking of Hebrews 11.1, the definition of faith is, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Hebrews 10.22 says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. So while assurance isn't part of the essence of of faith, it is a characteristic of mature faith. The book of Hebrews works out what this means with the use of another word, parasia, which is translated usually as confidence. Hebrews 3.6 says, and we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy. So at the very least, we have to say that the common evangelical thought that assurance of salvation is impossible is unbiblical. Question number two, should Christians have the assurance of salvation? While not all the faithful receive it, assurance is one of the blessings of God. God wants you to feel like you belong to him. Just like a good father wants his children to feel like they belong in the family, so too does the greatest father, the heavenly father, want you to feel like you belong 
and the family of God. Regular patterns of sin contribute to a lack of assurance. Sin gathers like the dark skies, prepared to unleash fire from heaven. Yet Hebrews 4.16 says that with confidence you should draw near to the throne of grace. This means that even in the weakness of your sin, you should still have confidence in who God is. By faith in Christ, Christians have peace with God. There is no condemnation. They are united to Christ's death and resurrection, which produces peace rather than spiritual topsy-turvydom that wanders back and forth over the line after every sin and repentance. God's people are in His grip. Christians can have assurance in the gospel of Jesus Christ that impacts every part of the Christian life. The notion that assurance gives an open door to sin is poppycock. It's presumption to trust in yourself. It's not presumption to have assurance in the promises of Christ. The promises of Christ never give a green light to sin. The grace offered in the gospel transforms you and makes you a new creature in Christ. Rather than incentivizing sin, assurance works oppositely. Christ says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew 11, 27-30 Christ also says, though, to take up your cross daily in Luke 9, 23. Assurance doesn't mean you live a comfortable life. The Christian life is neither easy nor painless. By faith, Christians walk in the fear and comfort of Christ. The Lord comforts you in your affliction. When you understand the mercy of God, you will obey Him out of love. The logic of the gospel is that obedience is not a heavy burden. Question number three. What are the ordinary means by which Christians gain assurance of faith? Well, consider six brief suggestions. The first way to gain assurance of faith is to cultivate a lifestyle of Christian love. Colossians 2.2 says that their hearts may be encouraging being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance. See, the love of God is most tangibly seen through the church's love for one another. Jesus made this plain in John 13, 34 and 35, as did the Apostle John in 1 John 3, 11 through 24. Second, confess your sin during the Lord's Day service. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Heartfelt confession of sin moves God to mercy rather than anger. It's important to belong to a church that leads you to confess your sin every Sunday. The Sunday worship service should incorporate all the elements that lead to assurance of faith. At a bare minimum, spring cleaning should happen every Sunday. Third, remember the promises of God. Jesus trusted in the promises of God. Then he spoke those promises to his people. For example, John chapter 6, verse 47, Whoever believes has eternal life. Elsewhere, Jesus says, John 14, 20 and 21, In that day you will know Father, and you and me, and I, in you. To not have the assurance of salvation is to not believe what Jesus has said. So believe it. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Fourth, ask someone to pray for you. Romans chapter 8, verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. When we pray these promises for one another, things happen. What Calvin called the inner witness of the Holy Ghost. 
The Spirit's witness gives real and solid knowledge. The Holy Spirit impresses on the mind the objective reality of God's word, that the believer is sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Christ called to the Father for help. So too can we cry, Abba, Father. The Son intercedes our prayers, and the Father hears them. Fifth, serve others and obey God. 1 John chapter 2, verses 3-6 through 6, and verses 28 and 29 says that abiding in Christ gives you confidence that you are born of God. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 says, We know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. Good works strengthen assurance. Christ was obedient to His heavenly Father, and this assured Him of His special role. The ones who fix their eyes upon the death and resurrection of Christ are the ones who obey the Lord. The ones who obey in faith are the ones drawn back to Christ in hope and love. The Puritan John Flavel refers to this reciprocal action as the double acts of faith. Sixth, remember your baptism. Romans chapter 6 verse 3 says you are baptized into Christ. In this, you are united to all that Christ's death and resurrection accomplished. You are also baptized with the Holy Spirit, as we see in Acts 1.5 and Acts 11.16, to receive the promises of God, as we see in Acts 2.38. The Heidelberg Catechism, number 67, says, quote, The Holy Spirit teaches us in the gospel and assures us by the sacraments that our entire salvation rests on Christ's one sacrifice for us on the cross, end quote. Jesus received assurance at his baptism. If baptism assured Jesus, it's good enough to assure Jesus' followers. Remembering your baptism is to reflect on the objective promises of God, without which the subjective elements of faith will waver. Question number four. If the Bible recommends assurance, then why is it so rare? Well, let's consider three reasons. First, Evangelicals forget that justification is by faith alone in Christ alone. The human tendency is to imbibe the idea that justification with God is the result of something we do or don't do. They forget that Christ accomplished the salvation of all those who believe in Him. Salvation depends on faith in Christ so that it may rest on grace. No person's work, in whole or in part, directly or indirectly, is the ground of their justification. Only the work of Christ and simple faith in Jesus is the ground of justification. The second reason, second reason it's so rare is that evangelicals fail to make their calling and election sure. Peter writes in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, Be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. Paul writes, Philippians 2, 12 and 13, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Faith in Jesus justifies a sinner before God, and true Christian faith is always a living, obedient faith, through which the fruit of the Spirit is manifested in the life of the believer. True Christian faith is not slothful about growing in grace. The faith of assurance comes for those who practice these qualities of virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, and love. So says Peter in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5-10. through 10. The more you abide in Christ, the more God's peace abides in you. And then the third reason why assurance is so rare 
is that evangelicals have turned doubt into a virtue. Evangelicals think that the more one doubts, the more virtuous they are. But doubt is inevitable. It doesn't need to be sought out. It doesn't need to be ignored or suppressed. Christians need to apply faith to their doubts in the hope and expectation that the Heavenly Father will use doubts as the road to a firmer, more mature faith. God uses doubt to sanctify His children, and this He does in a way that leaves those who persevere stronger in the end. The tree benefits when the strong wind blows its branches back and forth. This strengthens the roots. The shaking settles and roots the tree. Since evangelicals think doubt is a virtue, that means assurance is a vice. For evangelicals, doubt equals transparency. And since evangelical theology emphasizes brokenness rather than victory, none of us are perfect rather than be holy because I am holy, transparency means revealing sin. In other words, since ongoing sin is the evangelical reality more real than others, Doubting is thought to be more genuine than assurance. And then question number five, what do the Reformed Confessions say about assurance? Well, if you'd like to read those, you can go to the blog version of this post where you will find what the Westminster Confession of Faith, the Canons of Dort, and the Heidelberg Catechism say about assurance. Thanks for listening. To find out more, check out our website at trinityreformedkirk.com. That's trinityreformedkirk.com.